Hey there, before we get started, I just want to tell you that I understand it's really hard sometimes. In parenting, there feels like there's so many options. There's so many ways that you could go down different um, paths, different journeys, all these things. And here at Little Z's, we are all about getting you easy access to the sleep help that you and your family need. So in the show notes, just scroll below or head to littlezsleep.com slash quiz. This is a really quick quiz that will just prompt you with a few questions. This will then show you, hey, this is the right program for you and your family. If you are in a position where you realize we are not sleeping, sleep is not a thing, but I really want it to be, then we want to connect you to the exact program that is right for you and your family. So head to littlezsleep.com slash quiz or check the show notes below and you will find all the details to find your sleep program. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant. Welcome to the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where we make getting sleep help easy. And y'all, that is my filter for every guest we have on the show, for every episode. I want it to be something, and I hope you realize, and I hope you've kind of like sensed that, that everything we share, I am trying to break down concepts that seem rather complicated and like this is uncharted territory and give you access to people and conversations that actually it's not so difficult. And we want to break things down for you in a digestible and easy to understand way. And so today I have Deb Flaschenberg, who's the owner of the Prenatal Yoga Center in New York City. She also hosts her own podcast, which is called Yoga Birth Babies. I am so excited for you to get into this episode. We are going through the road back from birth. And this is a great conversation to listen to if you are expecting. If you are maybe um, just dealing with uh, all the chaos that can come with a newborn sometimes and you're wondering where you have gone um, and where yourself has gone after you've had a newborn or as Deb points out, maybe you are someone who is really dealing and having to kind of cope and um come to come to grip with the terms that the birth that you did have last year, the year um, prior, years ago, whenever that was, maybe that's something that you haven't healed from because it didn't go the way that you thought it would. And this is something that Deb is passionate about. So we are going to jump right into this episode with Deb Flaschenberg of Prenatal Yoga Center. Um, guys, I'm really, really excited to have our guest here today. She's Deb of Prenatal Yoga Center, and I am eager to jump into the conversation, but I want to hear more about you and what you do, Deb. So first of all, welcome. So glad you're here. Thank you. I'm so excited to speak with you. I had such a good time having you on my podcast, which is coming out very soon. Um, all right. So what do I do? I have, I have many hats that I wear, <laughs> including mother, which is why I'm hiding in my bedroom with my kids. So I started Prenatal Yoga Center almost 20 years ago, now that I kind of think about that, well before I had kids and well before I was really a birth and postpartum advocate. And since then I have taken on so many roles. I still have my studio in New York city. We're online, but I'm also, well, I haven't done this in a while, but I was a labor support doula for about 11 years. Um, I am a Lamaze teacher. I'm still teaching childbirth education. And through this work, I've become a huge support, an advocate for autonomy during birth and respect during postpartum. I really greatly appreciate that because I've, I've told this story a little bit on my podcast, but 
uh, some listeners, it's been some time, but my oldest is almost seven. And seven years ago, Instagram was not really like a thing. Yeah. And I did not know, obviously it's what I do now because I didn't know, but I had no autonomy and like, which also seems silly because I was 2014. Like that sounds modern. Like you should know things, but I just, I didn't know. I didn't know how to say yes or no. I didn't know like education about things. I was young. I just kind of like, Oh, I'm having a baby. Let's have a baby. And I'm, I'm passionate about what you just said because I was lacking it. And it's like, I want everybody to know more about their birth experience. And so I'm just like, yes, when you said that, absolutely. It's actually something that I hadn't known was a problem until I started attending births. I didn't realize that people weren't really given choices and things weren't really explained. I, yeah, until I started going and seeing what was happening in the hospitals and then also postpartum, which is such a huge shift, you know, so during pregnancy, so much focus is on the pregnant person. And then all of a sudden I had their baby. And what's kind of left behind and the focus is now on the baby. And again, until I saw that going into births and supporting people, I didn't know that was happening. I think a lot of this happens kind of behind closed doors. And until you're kind of jumping into it, either as a support person, advocate, or you're going through it yourself, some of these things you're just not going to know. And how would you know, unless someone actually shared it with you? Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm grateful for the resources that I feel like now are flooding into the world and people are aware of it and sharing about it and talking about it. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm by the way, also I keep muting myself and I'm just going to keep this in the recording. Cause there's like, there's construction going on. I'm like, be quiet, <laughs> trying to talk to Deb, but anyways, so, um, all right. So our topic that we're going to really dig into today, um, a couple of weeks ago after my interview with you, um, I was like, Oh, I got to have you on, send me a list of things that you would like to talk about. So I took all of the topics that you suggested and I popped them over as a poll inside of our sleep society membership. And within like five minutes, just by a landslide, everybody was like, tell me more about the road back to birth. So (laughs) that is what we're going to focus on today is, okay, we've, we've given birth and, uh, you know, obviously we've got some deep things that people aren't talking about, um, or that are being talked about, but are still mystified and, and what to expect. So let's get into this road back to birth, which I also love the visualization of that because it's not just like, woohoo, you're back. You know, it's not that same thing. And, and, um, I had Ellie, I remember Chad was like, it was our first, obviously, like I said, and he just didn't know what to expect. I remember him being like, so like, I don't know, (laughs) but like, what happens to your stomach, Becca? Like like he didn't know it was just that moment of like, oh my gosh, this is the first for all of us, like all these new things. So let's get into the road back to birth. First of all, I love that visualization because it is, it's a journey. Yeah, that belly, that postpartum belly, it's like a deflated balloon and not even that deflated. It's like, if you ever had a birth ball and you're trying to get the air out, but it's really hard and it's, so it's not the hard birth ball that you once had, but it's kind of this floppy (laughs) ball. That's kind of a ball, but not really flat. That's the perfect analogy for it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That is that. Yeah. The, the road back from birth, I think is it's luckily being talked about more. And I think again, unless you've been around it, it's something people may not take in consideration. I remember 
after my first child, I was wearing him. So you couldn't really see that little extra belly. And my arms and legs kind of looked the same. Um, but like it was well, all the change was like boobs and belly. And I was coming into my building and my neighbor came out. She's like, wow, you look great. And this is probably maybe like a month after. And it, yeah, it kind of looked because he was blocking like where all the, the mushy still was. And there was just this, she's like, good for you. You snapped right back. And that's some of an expectation from people that you just snap right back. And, you know, I don't know if this person, you know, New York City apartment buildings, we don't all know each other very well. So I don't know her background. I don't know if maybe she had kids. It was 20, 30 years ago, or she never did. But I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding and then expectation for someone just to have their baby and snap back. Like it was like a cat having kittens. They're kind of fine after. Like it's, it's a big deal physically. It's a huge deal emotionally. And I think sometimes all of that gets left behind. And there's just, yeah, this expectation that you pick up pre-pregnancy where you left off, but now you have a baby. And yes. And now you have a whole new life that you just don't even not all, even if it's your second or your third, you're not even prepared for this new chapter. Oh, you're never. I mean, yeah. And after your first, I mean, my second was a little easier because we had a sense of what to expect, but then you have that dynamic that you're bringing another child into the family that you already formed and you have to help the first one, you know, adjust to that. It's always an adjustment. But from what I've seen of my students, the big, well, there's several stumbling points. There's that adjustment if someone chooses to breastfeed you know, what is that looking like? There's an adjustment emotionally of who am I now? I mean, there's a whole conversation about matrescence that shift from maiden to motherhood. There's the adjustment of whose body is this? You know, there's the adjustment of responsibility and roles. There's the adjustment of relationship expectations. There's just so much that needs to be considered. And then on top of that, we have all this hormone fluctuation. You know, that baby comes out, the estrogen plummets. So there is, you know, night sweats and hormonal rages. It's messy in a way that I don't think that it's talked about enough. And I'm really glad that we're getting a chance to do that. Yeah. So let's talk about that. However, you want to break it down in the first 12 hours after birth, the first 20 hours. Oh God. Okay. Those, I I would love to like get a peek of that. Um, but then I love how you said it's that it is that adjustment into, into motherhood, into the adjustments of your expectations and kind of what you thought. And, um, there's obviously a thousand different branches we could trickle off into. Um, but in that, if we could get a brief snapshot, the road back to the road after birth, that journey right after you give birth, that 12 to 24 hour, what, what are some things that you would just love to be able to whisper to a mom? Like, Hey, dot, dot, dot. This is something that you just need to know right now. Take it easy. Take it easy. There is no rush to do everything. Your body, depending on what type of birth, I mean, no matter what kind of birth, your body's going to feel a little beaten up and a little Uh, I mean, you just had a a person came out of your body in some manner, whether it was vaginally or lifted out from a cesarean. So your body is going to have adjustments. There's going to be bleeding. That was something I've had students tell me. They're like, I did not know 
how much bleeding there's going to be. Now, if there's copious amounts of blood, blood clots bigger than an egg, that's concerning. But it's going, you're gonna have bleeding as your uterus is shedding. So that's that's a big one to keep in mind. And what I've had students say, they didn't know they were gonna have that if they had a cesarean. They thought, you know, baby's not coming through my vagina. Why is there bleeding? Your uterus is still slopping off all the extra inside and, and shedding it. So I think keep in mind that you might be sore if you had a vaginal birth. Something I used to do for my clients would make um, these, I call them padsicles. So you can take, I like those huge maxi pads, like the granny style, like the good ones, the good ones, like like the overnight massive. And I would put witch hazel on them and I would stick them in the freezer. And then they would use that the first about 24 hours, 12 to 24 hours, because your bottom could feel really sore. That first poop can feel very, very scary, very overwhelming. Very scary. It's scarier than birth itself. <laughs> You're like, what is happening? So someone may need a stool softener. If there was any sort of terrors when they had their birth, it was a vaginal birth, they are going to want, like, it's called a peri bottle. It's just kind of spraying the vagina as you're peeing. So it's not so acidic. So these are things in the first 24 hours. Just expect, I guess, don't have any expectations you know, lay the expectations low, take what's coming, take the help, ask for help. So it depends on where you give birth. If you're in a hospital, you're going to still be there within 24 hours. I know that we used to have a birth center on the Upper West Side. It's, it went away, um, but they would have you out within 12 hours. If you had a home birth, your midwife's coming back within 24 hours. So depending on where you are, will depend on the kind of support you can get, but ask for support. Don't be shy ask for support. If you are considering breastfeeding, while your body has the ability to do it, what I found, I find from a lot of new parents, it's not as easy as like, hello, baby, here's my breast and nipple. There is your mouth. Let's meet. So there can be be some negotiation of figuring it out. So ask for help from all those around you. And then don't forget that you have that emotional high And then within a few days, you have a drop. I'd also say, let me just kind of swing back to the breastfeeding, is that you're still having colostrum in the first, I don't remember exactly, I think it's two or three days. You probably know this better than I do. And the baby doesn't need a ton. I think it's like a teaspoon. Like it's the baby's stomach's like the size of a walnut. So I'd say lower your expectations if baby's not immediately latching. They're not going to have a full meal like a six-month-old. Like that's a very different place. So I would say, keep all that in mind for the first 12 to 24 hours, get help as much as you can and don't expect a lot from yourself. I think that's just a good thing to carry on through the rest of your parenting, but yes, I do agree. <laughs> I do agree. Get help. And, and there's no expectation, which I, I do believe that sometimes social media can make us project the expectations. Like we start to know these things and see these things. And as much education is available, we then become to think like, well, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how it's going to be. And you just don't know. You just, you cannot go into something saying, this is my plan. It's going to be X, Y, and Z to a T. You just, you just don't know that. We never know. You don't know how your birth's going to be. You don't know how you're going to feel about it. I'd also say kind of on that emotional side is if your birth didn't unfold as you expected, which it probably won't, but how you're treated during your birth and how you were 
how people respected your choices and how people listened to your choices and how people involved you in the decision-making, that's going to impact your satisfaction from your birth. And if you're feeling, of course, you're going to be happy if your baby's healthy, but if you're feeling that throughout the birth, you were disrespected in some way or not heard or not seen, that can take an emotional toll. And to give yourself that space and time to mourn that loss. If you were someone that had a vision that you really wanted your birth to unfold in a certain way, and it didn't, I, I feel very strongly that we need to validate those feelings as opposed to, oh, but all that matters is you have a healthy baby. Yes, of course, but that shouldn't be the bar. Like That's, that's not really respecting the experience into the birth process and then the path out if all we are considering is how's that baby we're you know we might have lost our voice we might have felt belittled we might have felt traumatized you might have felt that your body was no longer yours to make choices of and that can really if that is not given a chance to process and discuss that could lead to a lot of self-hatred, what's wrong with my body, I failed, I didn't do it right. And that could really lead someone into depression. And we already know that the statistics for postpartum depression are insane. From some people I hear it's one in five. I have someone else from the motherhood center said that's just what's reported. She really thinks it's closer to one in three. These are huge numbers. These are upsetting numbers. So I'd say give people the space and hold that space for the new parent to process their birth without trying to shift it, shift it out. I don't try to change their mind of how it was. And it is a process. I have, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about because I'm still processing five years later with Hattie. I did, I did not know it at the time with my oldest that I had a natural birth. I signed up for the epidural, but it didn't work. And I, but I didn't know that because it was my first time. So I just kept thinking, well, this sucks. Like, this is painful. And I got the meds. Like what? I just did not know. And then with Hattie, with my youngest, I was like, well, you know what? I did it the first time so I can do it now, but it didn't really, I wasn't quite prepared mentally for things. And the nurse told me, oh, honey, you don't have to be brave. That's what she told me. Oh yeah. I bet she meant well, but Ooh, yeah. that feels yeah. like a bit of a slap. And it was at about, it was about one 30 in the morning. So I was tired, but I, you know, I was, I was amped up cause I knew it was time, but at the same, like, I just was not in the, and my, no one was in there, but me and the nurse. And so it was that time where like, I could have been advocated for all these things could have been done. And I think, I think about it now, five years later, you know, and I think about how I'm the only one who knows, you know, who is in our, our, our room that, that felt the way that I did. But I also, it took a little while for me to talk about that. Cause I was like, well, I guess I wasn't brave. Was I brave? Look how brave you are. Right. And look at that would have done. Right. Yeah. Oh. So it's, I, I absolutely validate what you said because it's so incredibly important because you're right. Right. After baby comes, it's, it's like, Oh, 
it's all about the baby now, especially um, in the hospital center. It's all about that. But also uh, something that we urge our families to do inside of our newborn courses, like write your, write the story down as soon as you can. You may not, honestly, this may be not my territory, but you may not be ready to write it down, but write it down. Um, you may not be ready to process it, but you're going to forget. And so I, I tried for both of our girls, like within the first 24 hours, like sat down and just wrote down what happened. Um, and it's, it's interesting reading that now because I obviously wrote it fresh. Um, but that was important to me to write that down. Even if it wasn't like you said, what I wanted, it did help me validate. Well, this is, but this is what happened. Right. So I, I hear that. Yeah. So I'm always about finding the support you need. I also think as people are preparing for postpartum to have a resource list of of therapists, of support groups, of lactation consultants, everyone that you think may be able to help. And then also have, if someone is partnered, have them have a sense of what to look for if like signs and symptoms of postpartum depression, because the person themselves, the new parent that just birthed may not know, you know, they're kind of in the middle of that, that tornado and they may not even get a sense of what's happening around them, but it's the outside eyes that might be like, you're really weepy or you're really hyper, or, you know, you're seeming very scared. You have a lot of anxiety. And so for them to have, or you're not eating or whatever it is for them to have a sense and a list to look at, to support that new parent that might just not be aware. I had that with a friend. She, it was my second, her first, and our kids came around the same time. And I'd known her for a long time. And I was watching her and she was like, she would come over. Our kids were, you know, this was like super young and we're kind of breastfeeding together. And I would known her enough to see like an OCD pattern starting and just to see her hypervigilance about keeping track of everything. And I finally reached out to her husband who had, again, this was their first. So he's, he thought like, maybe this is normal parenthood. And I said, like, I'm a little concerned and she finally did seek some help and that really changed things, but to have some outside eyes that may be able to just offer some support that again, the the new parent may not know what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to talk about the element because this is your, I feel like your specialty. I'd love to talk about the element of movement in the road, the road after birth. Right. And it's funny because in my head, I'm almost, I'm, I don't want to say this, but I don't know why the theme of like the road, the road back from birth, but you're not going backwards. You're going forwards. Like it's not back. back. um, It's back the road after birth. And, and I think movement plays a huge role in that. So I'd love to hear, cause I know you're giddy about this. So let's talk about such a dork. I love movement. (laughs) So the biggest thing I'd say is be patient about how and when to move. I was not. <laughs> it was to my detriment. When you're starting to move, you're not going back like full bang. At least I would suggest, you know, take it easy. It's like, you know, like your baby doesn't come out riding a scooter. Like it's going, <laughs> it's like, it's like a little meatloaf and then it finds its way, you know, so your body needs to readjust. If your pelvic floor and abs don't feel supportive and you go at things gangbuster, you're going to actually cause more detriment to your body. So if we think about the pelvic floor, really that whole base of support, if that is not finding support, and I'm I'm one of those that say, just because you had a baby doesn't mean you have to immediately 
kegel it up. I, some, a lot of bodies come out of birth actually with tighter pelvic floors because the muscles can, um, can kind of seize up. If you had a cesarean, we have scar tissue. So your pelvic floor, just because you had a baby doesn't mean you have to just kegel, 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 kegel. You want to try to figure out, does it need tone? Does it need relaxation? And then once we can figure out what's happening with the pelvic floor, then start to add things in. But if your pelvic floor is feeling really vulnerable and not supportive, start slow, find out again, is it, do you need tone? Do you need support? And then slowly build that back up. Same thing with the abdominals. I get a little irritated about this because I had a student come in the other day and she's like, my care provider said I should just keep doing sit-ups. And I'm like, yeah. And so we checked her and she has diastasis. She has a pretty deep diastasis. So for those that are new to that world, diastasis when you have your rectus abdominals, your six pack, and then you have this connected tissue down the center, the linea alba. It's when it's lost its integrity. It's when either it's like you try to exert abdominal force that it kind of domes out or loafs out, or sometimes it kind of sinks in like the Grand Canyon. If we don't have that integrity, and now we're trying to do things like crunches or any sort of load bearing and it's pooching out, that's going to compromise really the whole support system. And that may never get better if you keep pushing against that connective tissue. So some people can still look three, four, five months pregnant years down the line if that's never been corrected or if they kept pushing at that even further. So when it comes to your road back from birth, like out from that, that labyrinth in be slow and mindful, check in with yourself. How am I feeling? How are my abdominals looking? Not like flat six pack, but like what's happening there. What's happening in my pelvic floor. Do I feel vulnerable? Am I having leakage? Am I feeling really tight? Is it painful? And then we have to also look at that whole upper body that tends to cave and think just having a baby that upper back is so caved in. You're so tired. If you're breastfeeding, those breasts tend to get so heavy. You're looking at your baby, you're wearing your baby. So in class, we try to combat that with a lot of back strengthening, um, upper back, lower back, middle back, chest opening, finding some support of the glutes, finding support of the hamstrings. So we're looking at the whole body from top to bottom and slowly trying to rebuild support while trying to find some release. A lot of times people think, oh, I should just stretch, 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 but we actually need to re-strengthen. We lose a lot of strength pregnant because the abdominal muscles have to stretch. They can't keep that same tone. So yeah, I, I love helping people rediscover their postpartum body and it's hard. You know, our egos, I speak from personal experience. It's hard where, you know, where we left off pre-pregnancy is not where we're showing up again. So yeah, a lot of people can be like, but what happened to my practice? What happened to my abs? It can be be kind of a sad time. Yes. And sometimes, like you said, the expectation you go in thinking not even that that's a thing. And then that is, that is a problem. And I can think of several friends that that became a problem that was like, I'm sorry, what, this is a thing now. And, um, that awareness and that education. So where, if someone thinks that that's like, okay, I think this may be, you just kind of described me. What's their next step? Oh, I'm all about finding a physical therapist that specializes in this. So your general sports physical therapist is not going to know 
about things like the pelvic floor. I actually had another student, she, her insurance only covered her for a sports physical therapist. So she went, she was in her first trimester and she's like, okay, what do I do? And he's like, you just keep going. And we talked about it. I'm like, not necessarily. So if someone's feeling, if they're having leakage, if they're having some people have um, pelvic organ prolapse. So if they feel like something's falling out of their vagina or their rectum, go see a pelvic floor physical therapist. If they think they have diastasis, go see a physical therapist that specializes in this so that they can have personal treatment for their body. If we never fix it, it's just going to keep getting worse. That's why the, I mean, by getting worse, meaning they can live a healthy life, but they may not be happy that their abdominal muscles don't have support. They might not be happy that they're having leakage. It's actually one of the top issues in, in nursing homes. I know we're talking postpartum, but you know, if we don't fix it now, later after menopause, uh, incontinence is one of the biggest problems in nursing homes. So if we don't fix that pelvic floor and have it stable and supportive, which I think is the rite of passage, people deserve to live a happy life and not worry about leakage, then it can really hinder how someone lives their life. So I'm all about recognizing there's a problem and dealing with it. I feel like new parents are the worst of like today. Perfect example. I have on my, I had on my calendar for like three weeks, make a doctor's appointment for myself and my son. And I kept moving the day. I kept moving it down because I was so bad. And then this morning I finally made the appointment for my son. And then I'm like, I'll do mine tomorrow. But that's so like us as new parents that will tend to our child. But what about tending to ourselves? So I'm all about get the help you need early. Don't wait. People can have diastasis for years. People can have pelvic organ prolapse or leakage for years, but they don't need to live that way. I bet it's going to, you know, I know people that have whole second sets of clothing with them because they're afraid they're going to leak. That's not a way to live. No. And I'm, you know, it's something that I try to live now for that, that way for my children, but also for our business too. Like my business is not just going to be here for today. It's going to be here for a long time, you know, Lord willing. And I I need to take care of myself so that I can do that and I can run our business. And I can also take care of myself so that my children see that. And so you're so right. Most of the, the default is like, oh, my kids first, like my kids will get the really good food. My kids will get the really good stuff. My kids will have a doctor's appointment and I won't. (laughs) We took my girls to the doctor today and Ellie, Ellie was like, do you go to the doctor? I'm like, yeah, I need to make that annual appointment. It's been a couple of years, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's so true, but thinking, projecting like what I want that future to be, it, it's, I'm going to be there and I'm going to, and I'm not going to be carrying around multiple sets of clothing because of that. So yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So pelvic floor abs are something we have to work and really it's strengthening the body. And it doesn't mean you have to commit to like, Every day you're going to do weight training, but every day finding something so you can move your body, something so you can also start to feel a little bit more at home in your body, you know, so it doesn't, so you don't have like internal arguments and dislike, you know, I'm not saying you ever have to get back to quote unquote pre-pregnancy because 
you're not the same. You know, your body created a person. It birthed a person. Things are going to be different, but can we try to find a relationship in which we can feel comfortable in our body? I think that's really, really important. And that in itself is an entire mental journey in its own road. (laughs) And I, I, I absolutely believe that movement helps to heal that journey because even like you said, even if it is small movements, movement is movement is movement. I know for myself, like I'm not a huge, I've I've talked about this before, like on the podcast, I I don't really enjoy sweating. I don't really enjoy working out, but I I love love sweating. Oh my God. I'm like, I was like this morning I was on my bike and I was like drenched. I'm like, this is so good. But like, (laughs) but I love it afterwards. You know what I mean? Like I've never been good internally. Like I, I do Peloton and I, I'm like, they're, they're always, you know, pushing you. And I'm like, Nah, like I've just never been that competitive person. So I just don't like that aspect. Cause I'm like, that's just not me, but you know what I'll do? Like, I like the way I feel afterwards yeah. and that's why I keep coming back to it, you know, and, and the way that I feel continuing on from that, which in itself is a whole healing process of how I feel about myself and my body after I've given birth to my, my kids. So I, I agree. And I, I, I love your mission for that. Absolutely. I also think that within, so if I look at the yoga class that I teach, one thing that people at first are like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this, but I always offer restorative poses at the end. And I kind of get why they say that. So I've been studying a system called Iyengar for years and like 15 years. And it's a very structured system. Like the first week is standing poses, then there's back bends and forward bends. And it's each week is its own thing. And at the end of the month, there's restorative And for years, I skipped that week. And I'm like, I can do that on my own. I'm a yoga teacher. I never did uh, because I always filled my time with something else. But then when I finally showed up and did a restorative, I'm like, this is amazing. It's time to be quiet and relax my body. And so I built that into the postnatal class. I know they're showing up to work. I know they're showing up to tone and to open and strengthen and stretch. But when I kind of force them lovingly into 10 minutes of three different asanas, I restorative asanas. I think that's where they really come out feeling amazing. I force them to put their phone down, to not think of their kids, to be with themselves and replenish. And I really think that doing that a couple times a week can really help a new parent tremendously. Well, you even said it a few minutes ago that sometimes it's a time to tone and sometimes it's a time to relax. And I'd never actually heard that, by the way, going back to what you were saying earlier, like, oh, I thought everybody was just like, you know, like you said, needs to do Kegels. I thought that was a problem for, you know, everybody. Obviously I know there's more to it than that, but I'd never thought about the fact that no, actually there are elements that you're too tight. You need to relax a little bit. Um, but you know, even after that part now, now with a five and a six-year-old, or if you have a two and a three-year-old or a 16-year-old, like whatever, wherever you are in your postpartum journey, we're all postpartum. If you've had a kid, there's still elements of needing the tone and needing to relax. And I'm, I'm jealous that they get it forced upon them. Sometimes I want someone to just tell me like, (laughs) Just go lay down. Just go sit down. <laughs> I know I'm I'm really bad at that myself. I, I have to kind of build it. I have to schedule it in. I have to really actually, which sounds crazy. Well, how, so to, how do you do that practically? Yeah, what do you do? I schedule it in. I really do. So um I wake up before my family. I wake up at 5:30, 5:32 to be exact. I don't know why that feels good to me on my phone. <laughs> I get it actually. I do. 
<laughs> and I go downstairs and I have a little ritual. I make a pot of coffee. I have a huge thing of water. I try to go through the, the day. So I set that up and then I go um, into my basement and I jump on my bike. I have a Peloton as well. So I do my Peloton. And after that, I typically do about 20 minutes of weights. And then after that, cause I give myself an hour cause I do a half an hour of a ride, 20, 15, 20 minutes of weights. And then I'll do some restorative poses just to chill and relax. And I have to do those. Like, first of all, it just helps me cool down, but it just takes when we're doing something so active, like a ride and I'm the crazy person on the bike. So like, I'm the opposite of you. I'm like looking at my numbers. I'm like, oh, I got past that person. I, want I to hide it all. I hide. I'm like, I don't want to look at it. Yeah. I'm like staring. I'm like, do we think it can like, I'm, I'm the crazy person. So <laughs> I need to get my nervous system out of that adrenaline and drop it back into that rest and restore. And then I can be present for my family after, but I really need that time to kind of shed and release. It, it just helps me kind of step into my day. I love that. And that's, I, I know so many are going to resonate with that as well, because obviously in our sleep world, like it's really important that your child sleeps so that you have time to do that, that you're yeah. not waking up all throughout the night. And then when your alarm goes off at five 32, you're like, ah, whatever. I've been up all night. I just need to keep sleeping because you get to have that time, that space for you. And you deserve to have that time, that space for you. And that's yeah. what's, that's, what's going to serve your body and yourself best. So I, I could not agree more. Yeah. And it really, I think when a parent can take care of their needs, they're going to have more to give to those that need them. I think when we're depleted as parents, especially, you know, you know, all about the sleep when we're really depleted that way, it's so hard to show up for ourselves and for our kids. We just, there's only so much we have. So I think honoring our mind and our body and this experience postpartum is going to help us help our children you know, they need us. And if we just are a shell of ourselves because we haven't taken the time to support ourselves after this huge transition, it's going to, I think, you know, we don't have a solid foundation to grow to support the family. So I think we really need to step back and take care of ourselves, which goes back to what we talked about in the first 12 to 24 hours, get as much help as you can ask for help, take care of yourself so that you can keep moving forward. I'm going to do a pop question on you. So fill in All the right. blank for me. Okay. All right. So fill in the blank. The road after birth is bumpy. That's great. It's so true. It is. It's bumpy. The road in and out. So for years I was studying this methodology called birthing from within. And they talk about this labyrinth, not a maze, but like a labyrinth. So you wind your way in, 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 and you have the baby, but then you have to wind your way back out. It's still a huge transition process coming out and it's bumpy on the way in, it's bumpy on the way out. It's not, and I, and it's not storybook. And I think that we hear too much of that. We expect that too much from ourselves and from others. Absolutely. And I, I could not agree more that that labyrinth of in and out, um, continues to get bumpier. It's never something that is like, Oh, now it's perfectly smooth. And you're, you know, check your done. <laughs> like that uh, no, no one's life is like that, but that's what makes it so wonderful, right? Is that we don't know what's going to happen next and it's not storybook. So, um, okay. Tell us all the things, where can we find you? If we are in New York, where can we find you on online? Where can we find you on Peloton? Tell us everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right. 
Um, so my studio is called Prenatal Yoga Center, and I'm very unoriginal because. <laughs> All my tags are prenatal yoga center, except my Peloton. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, prenatal yoga center, Facebook, prenatal yoga center, um, online, our website's prenatal yoga center. So we have, we had a really interesting transition as many did at the start of the pandemic. We pivoted online within a day. I saw it coming. I knew what to do. We pivoted online. And during these last, I don't know, has it been like 16 months, something insane like that. We have grown our community by over a third of, of our clientele are now outside of New York City. So we've committed to staying online. So we've got live stream, we've got hybrid classes. So people anywhere, and it's awesome because we really do have people from anywhere, from different countries. I think it's so cool taking classes. You can take it live. You can take a re-release. We have people now, we just started opening the studio back in May. So we're also in the studio. And then I also teach teacher training. So if anyone in your community is a yoga teacher and they're getting excited by all this information about pre and postnatal, I do a very intensive pre and postnatal teacher training. But I also have a smaller course for those yoga teachers that are a little freaked out by the pregnant person or the new parent. They're like, I don't know what to do with you. I don't want to hurt you. So I've got um, a prenatal course called Who's Afraid of the Pregnant Yogi? And I have, I know, I still, I still laugh at that. That's actually my little take on Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf because I was a theater major. <laughs> and then I have another small course called Teaching the Postnatal Student. And then as you know, I've got my podcast called Yoga Birth Babies, um, which you will be at, I think, next week. Um, so yeah, just super excited about all the things I have going on. And, and I hope that uh, your community checks us out. If they go to either our Instagram page or our website, they can download a free downloadable of kind of like a cheat sheet of five poses that can help different aches and pains in their body. So if they're feeling their neck or their shoulders or their back, I've got a simple downloadable they can grab, they can stick it on their fridge so they can pull it out whenever they feel like they just need a quick fix. Well, this has been so helpful and I can already tell, I enjoyed our conversation because you were able to really communicate it and teach it in a, in a very like easy to approach and understand way. So I know this is going to be an episode people are excited about. So go, go check out all the ways you can get in touch with prenatal yoga center. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Deb. Deb is such a wealth of knowledge as a doula, as a yoga instructor. Um, you're going to want to go follow her over on Instagram, Prenatal Yoga Center, and check out her courses. I am so grateful for you joining me today. And I hope this was just a, a really good time for you to take a step back as a listener and absorb and listen and kind of process what Deb and I were talking through. I hope that you are enjoying this podcast. If you could take a quick second before this ends, just scroll down below. If you are listening on the Apple podcast app, just scroll down below. Would you give us a review? What are you thinking so far of this podcast? Tap that little five stars, hint, hint, wink, wink, and share with us what this podcast has meant to you. I appreciate you guys so much. Sweet dreams. See you next time.